Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today is our great pleasure to welcome George McGonham to the show. Welcome, George. Thank you. Thanks for having me. George is the Chief Revenue Officer at SnapLogic, and they are an intelligent integration platform that helps interconnect data and applications to get business value. Today, we're actually going to talk about a lot of different things, but we're going to focus a lot on culture and leadership. I also have my great co-host with me today, Jess Kleck. Welcome, Jess. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks, George, for joining us today. George, we're going to start by getting to know you a little bit just to understand how you like to learn and how you keep sharp on sales and leadership and the industry that you're in. Innate in salespeople, good salespeople, is just that intellectual curiosity. I was always wanting to get better at their craft. And the way one gets better at their craft is actually by continuing to learn about the ecosystem that surrounds you, your competitors and other players in the industry. It's about understanding how you differentiate your solution against those technologies. It's about understanding how you position yours to ensure that you're successful in the opportunities you pursue. So if you don't innately have that intellectual curiosity, so you get better at what you do every day, you know, it becomes challenging to be successful. As the sales leader, my sellers kind of look to me and, and, and unfortunately, unfortunately, sometimes they think you have all the answers. So you have to, you know, you have to stay abreast and try to provide as much value as you possibly can or pull in the resources that you need to to provide that value. But to ensure that I provide value to my sales organization is what motivates me to stay abreast. So I read a lot. I connect with my community of sellers, you know, my peers, CROs and past lives and and what they're doing and what they're seeing in the market. But it's really that one, it's that intellectual curiosity. It's wanting to add value to my organization. And I like to learn. I mean, that's fundamentally, that's just me. I like to learn. Sellers work so hard to get probably to you. You probably have a lot of people prospecting you via email and phone and social and whatnot. When you reach out to a fellow CRO, though, one CRO to another, do you find that they're they're generally responsive? Are you able to get through to them? Yeah. Look, we don't sell the CROs. You know, we sell to CIOs. Predominantly, it's uh, an IT sale, albeit we're migrating to lines of business based on the evolution of the technology and the simplicity of utilizing it. Salespeople are the easiest people to sell to, right? Let's just face it because we we get excited about stuff. So reaching out to CROs, I have not seen a problem with connecting with others. Now, I've been fortunate. I've, I've worked for, in past lives, CROs before I was given the privilege of becoming one. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of the PTC Mafia, right? Parametric technology and all the great sales leadership that they've developed in the organization. So I worked for uh, an individual, uh, God bless his soul, his name was Jim Vetta, that mentored me for almost 15 years and developed me. So through his network and, and my network, I've built relationships with peers that have grown and become CROs themselves. So that's a majority of the people that I connect with and we share ideas because they've been leaders of great companies like AppDynamics, MongoDB, and, and have accelerated the growth of these organizations. So the process that they go through, the disciplines that they go through work really well and they're great to network with. They will always add value to what you're doing. There's no way I can know everything. And they'll do some things that are I'm like, hey, that's a great idea. I'm going to incorporate that into what I do, right? I've never had a situation where 
a peer of mine has not been willing to engage at some level. And then the second thing is the VCs that that I've funded companies that I've been with, they host events and they bring in their sales leadership. So you get to meet a lot of, and network with a lot of um, peer group and learn from them as well. How does that play into the culture you build at your organization around um, building a culture of mentorship or enablement for the reps that work at Samsung? The most important job in a sales organization is the first line manager. Let's break it down. Why do sales reps fail? And there's typically three reasons why sales reps fail. Is one, you hired the wrong type for your needs. Whose job is that? That's the first line manager. The secondly is, let's say you did hire the right type, but you didn't give them an equitable territory to be successful because you have the situation with the lands of the haves and the have-nots. You have these reps that you've had a while and they're doing a good job for you and you're reluctant to ensure the taking accounts away from them and having equality in territories. So you tend to have put people in a position where they don't have as much opportunity and they, they're not as successful. So they tend to fail because you hired the wrong person could be the first reason. The second reason is you didn't give them an equitable territory. And the third reason is you didn't enable them to be successful. And I've seen too many times where, hey, I hired a great sales representative and I just let them run. I want to get out of their way is the mentality that I've heard from past sales leaders that I've engaged with. These individuals know what they're doing and they go and execute. And I always use this analogy with them. And I, and I say, hey, do you think Tom Brady is the greatest of all time quarterbacks or arguably the greatest of all time quarterbacks? And they'll say, yeah. And I say something to the effect that, hey, do you think Bill Belichick just tells him, show up on Sunday and win the game? That's all you need to do. Just show up on the weekend and win the game for us because you're great. Or does Bill Belichick ensure that Tom Brady shows up every day of every week, practices each play time and time again, watches game film continuously to learn the defense and understand their strengths and weaknesses and what they need to do and how to read the situation? I think it's the latter. I think that's exactly what Belichick does with Tom Brady. And that's the mentality I have with the sales organization. Yeah, I want the greatest of all time on my team, but I will not abdicate my responsibility to help them be better at their craft. So the ongoing enablement of the sales organization is first and foremost in my mind. So whether we do training at sales kickoffs, whether we do mid-year boot camps, and every other week there is a session on enablement for an hour to an hour and a half that the entire organization hops on. And whether it's around how to position better, differentiation of our technology, how to execute, how to do better discovery, whatever it is to enable that seller to become better at their craft, we do and it's ongoing and it's nonstop. It's important for that to happen for a few reasons. One is the seller feels like you're investing in them, but in return, you can ask a lot of them. Because if you're willing to give, they have to give back. And that's the kind of that yin and yang, that agreement that we have between us and them. I'm going to invest heavily in you, but in return, you're going to do everything I need you to do to be successful for yourself. Absolutely. I mean, I think the enablement piece is so huge, and that does show that you're invested. I'm interested to understand how are you measuring the success of this enablement, especially now that, you know, it's different when you see a rep in the office, right? And you can listen to the phone call and you can see the energy and the activity and the excitement. How are you measuring that the enablement you're doing is actually successful now when everyone's working from home? You can get on calls with reps 
in the past, you know, when they were physically here and listen to them, hear the objections, see how they're handling them. But look, at the end of the day, at my level, you can't get that granular. Their first line managers need to do that. And you have to train the first line managers as to what they should be doing with their sellers to ensure their success. But at my level, there are leading and lagging indicators, metrics that define success. And some of the leading and lagging indicators that I'm talking about are, you know, in-quarter pipeline. How much pipeline do you need to be successful? Is a rep meeting that pipeline requirements? In the company that I'm with today, you need in-quarter pipe four times your quarterly quota. So if you have 100K quarterly quota, you need 400K of deals that can close that quarter. So that's a leading indicator that you can be successful. There is average selling price. There's a host of KPIs, if you will, that you evaluate the organization by and see if what you're doing is improving these leading and lagging indicators. And if not, what is the corrective action you have to take to address that? And then you you break it down at a granular level, down to a rep level, and you see where they're being successful. So measuring their pipeline growth week over week and catching early where they're struggling. So evaluating a rep as they're trying to build pipeline, where they're struggling, if they are, where they're struggling, and what enablement you have to do for them to make them better at where they're getting stuck, right? So maybe they have good phone calls, but the follow-up isn't good. It's measuring those things, but that's done really at the first line level, not necessarily my level. My job is to ensure that the managers know what they need to do to help the reps. You talked about one of the things that people can fail at is whether they hire the right or the wrong types of profiles. When you're training managers to hire reps, what do you train them to look for? There is the concept of who you are versus who you wish you are or who you hope to be. What I mean by it is there are the eight skills that you have that makes you who you are. And we have to understand if you have those innate skills, because all the enablement that we do are not going to fix if you don't have those innate skills. That's the first thing. Then the second thing is in the interview process, how do you draw out if they have those innate skills? And that's the enablement that you have to put forth to your sales managers. Let me give you an example of that. You know, I always ask sales leaders, what do you look for in a resume to evaluate if you even want to meet that person? And you get, you know, you get these basic answers. You get the answer of uh, relevance in our space. You get the answer of uh, tenure in the companies that they've been with and track record of success. Well, I mean, who puts on a resume? I didn't make quota. So the innate skills that I focus on is one We sell technology, so you want their analytical IQ and their emotional EQ to be relatively high. Fundamentally, it's intelligence. The second thing is, you know, people use the term PhD, you know, which is persistence, heart, and desire. What that really comes down to is, do they have that factor that they'll do whatever is required to be successful for themselves? Is that in their DNA? Are they persistent? Do they have that heart? And do they have the desire to be successful? And then adaptability and coachability is critical because if a seller thinks they know how to do everything and you're trying to coach them, it's going to fall on deaf ears. And then lastly, obviously, we want integrity in the sales organization. We don't want 
people doing things that are inappropriate in any way that would put the company or themselves at jeopardy. So those are attributes, right? Those are innate attributes. They're who you are, not who you hope to be, I guess is the best way to put it. Salespeople run a marathon every day because we have to get up every day. We got to make X amount of calls. We're going to be rejected X amount of time. But if you reverse engineer, I need this much pipeline. How many calls do I have to make to get there? Which counts to how many connections do I have to have? How many meetings does that generate to how many POCs do I need to do to get to this number? That's running a marathon every day. So the the thing that I do is like in just casual conversation with candidates to understand if they think that way and do they have the discipline is I ask them to walk me through a day in their life and then walk me through a week. What do you do? When do you get up? And I I love when sellers give me this, you know, look, I'm up by five. I'm not saying this is the right answer, but I love hearing it. I'm up by five. I'm in the gym. I get my workout done. I, you know, they're doing something physical. I'm back. I'm in front of my computer at 7 a.m. I do prospecting from 7 to 9. Shut off all my activities. I do outbound prospecting from 7 to 9 a.m. And then from 9 to 12, I follow up on my opportunities. Then I plan, you know, from 2 to 4, I plan my day for the next day of what I'm going to do, who I'm going to call. All that tells me is they're disciplined as to how they're going to execute their business. They're not being managed by the emails that are coming in. They're managing their day. They're driving their day. So around intellectual, you know, uh, or I should say brain power, right? You ask them some complex situations that they've been in, how they've maneuvered around it and see what kind of in the dialogue you draw out. Just listening to the how they've gotten around difficult situations, you know, resiliency, when you've lost, what's happened, what did you do? You know, how did you get yourself around that? And I always ask, you know, name for me the top three losses that you've had in your life and how quickly they can articulate that. Because I'm telling you, in my selling career, I remember the losses. I rarely remember the wins because those hurt a lot more. And if that's the kind of individual you have in front of you, they have that I don't want to lose mentality. Is there a method to their madness or are they just chasing the next hot thing that they think? And then you look for, hey, have they been successful in companies that somewhat are like you? Because not everybody's heard of Snap Logic. So, you know, you need a person that hasn't worked for an, just an oracle where if you call, people know who you are. So it's these nuances looking at the resume to say, hey, this is the right type of profile. And then drawing out once you are in front of them, do they have the right attributes? And then the last thing you look for is, do they get the process? Do they know how to qualify an opportunity? Do they know how to manage a sales campaign? Can they articulate their value message at a technical level and a business level? Do you see them being comfortable in front of the CIO all the way down to an IT individual? So it's that. Do they know how to ferret out getting wider in an organization versus you call a single threaded sale where they're just dealing with that individual time and time again? So it's these kinds of things that you train managers as to how to do what it is that they do so they can be effective in recruiting and hiring the best talent. How does after this interview process that sounds very thorough, plus the enablement that you've already discussed, how does that help you drive that culture of accountability that you referenced earlier? In driving the culture, it's the operating rhythm you drive the organization to. 
how you manage a forecast call and the questions that you inspect and not allowing people off the hook when they give you that you know is a bogus answer. There is a, a way to evaluate your opportunities. We use something called MetPIC. You know, it's an acronym, comes from PTC way back when. When you implement something like this as a leader in an organization, it has to be the way you communicate to the sales team on a day-to-day basis. It can't be just a moment in time training and you don't communicate that way on a day-to-day basis because it doesn't become part of the daily vernacular of how you talk about deals. So when you drive that culture of accountability and no excuses and holds the rep accountable to the gaps and having them recognize these are the gaps you have in your opportunity and for you to feel more confident about forecasting it, you have to try to address as many of these MedPIC letters that are evaluating your deal as possible and knowing where your gaps are. So when a rep tells me, and this is kind of the thing that I drive constantly, hey, we lost a deal because we didn't have this feature. To me, I kind of look at that as you got outsold, which is a different way of looking at it. And the reason I say that is, sure, there are times when a feature is so critical to an organization that that is a must-have. Then you should have qualified out early. But in the integration space, we all can do things. It's how we do them that becomes the key differentiator. And when you're engaging in a sales campaign, is to ensure that you show the buyer how you do things and make that the better way of going about evaluating the technology and setting landmines for the competition. So when a deal that the competition has done a better job than us in doing that, and I hear that we lost because of these features, we didn't have these features, I say, well, no, the competition did a better job of making their strengths more relevant to that that prospect than you were able to. So that changes the way they think about the deal or how I'm going to evaluate them moving forward, which is an example of how you drive that accountability, no excuses culture. Is there a point where the hierarchy of the organization is such that senior sales leadership no longer gets involved in deals or should they always, because they're always a deal that they should get involved in? They should always be involved in deals. There's no if, ands, or buts. To me, you know, I always tell my managers, don't report on the business, impact the business. If I'm going through a forecast call with one of my managers and I'm going through their forecast and they have to flip through their notes to give me the answer to the question I just asked, I get very concerned because they're just reporting. They're getting their information from the rep. If you're impacting the business, you should be involved in that deal. Now, let's be mindful. If it's a small transaction, it's an upsell. No, but... I mean, look, any de- depending on your business, but the larger deals, you should be at the forefront of those deals every day doing the calls with your reps because they're going to learn, you're going to learn, and you're going to know what enablement you need to do in the future based on what you're learning. But you need to impact that business, not just report on it. This has been such a pleasure chatting with you, George. If people want to learn more about you, learn about opportunities at SnapLogic, what's the best way for them to do that? I'm on LinkedIn, so reach out through LinkedIn and send a note and we can connect that way. I think that'd be the easiest way. Thank you for that and a pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you. 
Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast.